Morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Stefan. It's great to be with you all today. Uh, would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6? Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. Uh, it's on page 1469 if you're using the Bible provided for you. If you're using a different Bible, you are on your own. 1,469. So we are currently in uh, the season of Epiphany, like Sam said, and we're doing a sermon series that's called Life in the Light. And we're uh, each week kind of picking a different lectionary text, and we're looking at these different passages that shed light on who Jesus is. So this is meant, the season of Epiphany is meant to be a season of, of, of revelation. It's meant to be a season of, oh, that's who Jesus is. Oh, that's what Jesus wants me to do. Oh, that's what it means to follow this guy. Um, and by the way, following this guy, Jesus, is um, much harder and much more challenging than people might assume. Uh, a few weeks ago, my dad gave me a book which is titled, What If Jesus Was Serious? I really like that title. What If Jesus Was Serious? And I like that because it so perfectly reflects kind of our default response to just about everything that Jesus says, which is, really? Like, you want me to do that? Are you actually serious, Jesus? This is what you're expecting me to do? Because if Jesus was serious, if Jesus really meant all of the things that he said, it would be totally life-altering for us. And it would require a total shift in values for us, for all of us, including myself. So it is my job uh, to stand up here and to remind us that, yes, Jesus is serious. And what he's saying is very hard, um, but he does mean what he says, even in Luke chapter 6. So if we're going to walk around and casually call ourselves Christians, which is what many of us do, including myself, We've got to get awfully serious, I think, about what Jesus is saying. So let's take a look. Boy, it sounds kind of ominous, right? What's it going to be in this text? Well, it's a toughie. Okay, Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. Listen to God's word. But to you who are listening, I say, Jesus says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them also the other. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. 
Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the word of the Lord. So, these words from the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus, like his main sermon, his main message, it's his magnum opus. These, these verses serve a very particular purpose. And these are some of the verses, some of the things that Jesus said that even secular ethicists and secular philosophers and people, other, people of other religious traditions will tell you that this is where Jesus does something entirely new. This is where Jesus goes a step beyond where anyone else has gone. This is where Jesus walks into brand new territory that really nobody else has ever walked into. Because in this text, Jesus tells us that we are to love not just the people who love us, Not just the people who are like us, but we are to love and even lend money to our enemies. Anybody will tell you that you should be kind to your family and friends. Lots of people will tell you that it's nice to be nice to look to to people who look like you and who talk like you and who live like you and who vote like you. But Jesus says, I tell you this. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Give your stuff to people who do not like you and will not return it. And he meant it. (laughs) Yeah, right? And that's the conclusion of my sermon. Just kidding. (laughs) All the kids are like, (gasps) oh. So this is radical new territory that we're walking into. It's a radical way of looking at the world. So uh, what is this new way? What does it look like to walk into this world? What does it look like to live the way Jesus is telling us to live? If your Bibles are still open, take a look at the text. Three times in the text, it says these words. It says, what credit is that to you? It says it in verse 32. It says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? And in verse 33, if you are good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Verse 34, if you lend to those uh, from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? So three times in this text, Jesus says, what credit is that to you? What does that mean? That's what I want to focus on today. What does that mean when Jesus says, what credit is that to you? Credit? To whom? For what? It's a little ambiguous, Jesus. Credit with who? So here's the thing, and I just learned this myself the last couple of weeks. Um, we, have, we have a very good translation of the Bible, and I like the way it translates this text here, but it's just, it's a little less than clear. Jesus, there's this really interesting play on words that happens in those three verses. So the word in our text that's translated credit is actually the Greek word charis, which is the word that means 
grace. So when Jesus says, what credit is that to you? What he's literally saying is, what grace is that to you? Think about the irony of that a little bit. We're going to unpack this. Jesus says, what credit is that to you? But the word that he uses for credit is the word grace. Credit is something that we earn, right? Credit is something that we deserve. Credit is merit-based, whereas grace is unmerited. Grace is something that we can't earn. Grace is something that we don't deserve. And in many ways, grace is the opposite of credit. So Jesus is saying, it's a play on words, and he's saying, what credit is that to you? What grace is that to you? It's kind of paradoxical. It's kind of ethereal. It's a little philosophical. But it's also very practical. And it's wonderfully profound. So much of our lives are lived in search of and in service to credit. We want credit for what we do. We are looking to amass credit for ourselves. We want to get what we deserve, do we not? We even want other people to get what they deserve. We want to to get out what we put in. Uh, We're free market capitalists after all, right? But Jesus turns this question completely on its head and, and, and he asks something different. He doesn't say, what credit is that to you? He says, but what grace is that to you? As though our lives should be lived in pursuit of grace rather than credit. This is one of the things that makes Jesus so profoundly attractive even to his secular admirers. And Jesus has many, 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 many secular admirers because it's just this message that the world has never really heard before. And people hear it and they go, huh, really? Like, did he actually mean that? So his purpose here is to usher in this new kind of social economy. It's a new kind of cultural economy where it's not credit that moves the needle of society, but it's grace that moves the needle of society. Can you imagine such a world where grace moves the needle of society? A social economy that doesn't run on credit, but runs on grace. Jesus says, what grace is that to you? Now, how can we be people who live in this economy of grace that Jesus is promoting? Where where does this come from? Uh, My therapist once told me, very wisely, I think, he said, you can only give other people something that you have already been given yourself. You can only give other people something that you have already been given yourself. So if you want to offer someone money, you first have to have that money yourself in order to give it to them. It's also true with other things. If you want to offer someone kindness, you have to be shown some kindness 
and possess that kindness in order to pass that kindness along to something else. And the same thing is true of grace. If you want to offer someone, someone grace, you have to already have received some grace and processed some grace and internalized some grace before you can pass that grace along to someone else. You can only give to other people something that you have already been given. So it could be, it could be that if we're coming up short on grace, it could be that we're not fully aware of the amount of grace that has already been extended to us. You know what I mean? If our output of grace is low, it could be that we just don't realize the amount of grace that has already been extended to us. It could be that if you are a person that extends only a little bit of grace, it could be that you don't have a robust enough sense of just how much grace has been afforded to you. I think this is what Jesus is getting at in verse 37. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Now, uh, people love to quote that. That's a fun one. Everybody gets behind that one, right? Especially when you're in trouble for something, right? <laughs> what, is, what does Jesus mean when he says, do not judge unless you want to be judged? He, he doesn't mean, hey, don't ever blame anyone for anything. He doesn't mean um, stop prosecuting guilty criminals. That's not at all. What he means is, if you're going to hold someone else to a particular standard of credit, which must be done sometimes, if you're going to hold someone accountable to a particular standard of credit, you have to be willing to be held to the same standard yourself. That's what he means. He's saying, if you're going to live in the economy of criticism, and sometimes this is necessary, be prepared to be criticized yourself. We all know people who are intensely critical, don't we? You may think of that person right now. That's fine. We all know people who are intensely critical people. It's all of us sometimes, and it's some of us all the time. Know what I mean? It's all of us sometimes, and it's some of us like all the time. We all know people who are intensely critical. What's going on there? What makes intensely critical people intensely critical? What makes us that way? Why all of the judging? Well, it's never just one thing, right? It's never just one thing. For some people, um, there's maybe some unaddressed trauma that causes all of the judgmentalism, and it's kind of turn them into an angry person. For some people, there's a deep insecurity going on. There's a, 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 a sense of I'm not enough, and so I'm going to make sure other people know that they're not enough. But also, and I think this is what our text is getting at, sometimes when it, when it comes to intensely critical people, it's probably the case that these folks are trying to live in an economy of credit when the only thing that will save them is an economy of grace. People trying to live in an economy of credit when the only thing that will save them is an economy of grace. Grace for the people in their lives. Grace for the people that they love to criticize. Grace for the things that they love to criticize. And grace for themselves, which they almost never give to themselves. 
Jesus says, don't expect to be given grace from others if you're not aware of just how much grace has been given to you. Your roommate will always be a terrible roommate in your eyes until you recognize that you are not fun to live with either. Right? You'll never be able to give that grace until you recognize how much of that grace you also have to receive yourself. Your coworker will always be a miserable coworker to you until you realize that you're no fun to work with either sometimes. You'll never be able to give that grace until you recognize your own need to receive it. Your friend, your spouse, your customer service representative, your church will always seem inadequate until you realize that you yourself are really quite inadequate. And you'll never be able to recognize that grace in yourself until you're able to give it to others. So Jesus says, don't judge unless you're willing to walk into the courtroom, which is a courtroom which is economical, and what you put out, you're going to get. So just watch your step. Jesus does not mean um, don't prosecute guilty criminals. He does not mean don't be discerning. He means if you want other people, including your Father in heaven, to look at you with the eyes of grace, then you must look at others with the same eyes. If you're going to live by the economy of credit, you will die by the economy of credit. But if you, will, if you want to live by the economy of grace, you will thrive in the economy of grace. And Jesus says, that's where I am. That's where you'll find me. In that economy. In that place. And it's a wonderful place and you're all invited. You can only give to other people something that you have already been given yourself. Have you been given grace? Have you recognized just how much grace everyone around you is giving you every day? Because the rest of us have. Are you living in the economy of credit or in the economy of grace? This is why all of this this is why I love our partnership with Treetops Collective and places like Treetops Collective. Um, because being partners with groups like that give us the opportunity to jump into this economy of grace. It gives us an opportunity to participate in that kind of system. It gives us the opportunity to take Jesus seriously. Was Jesus serious? Yes, he was serious. So we're partners with Treetops Collective because... Where the rest of the world says to these new Americans, where the rest of the world says to these immigrants, where the rest of the world says to these refugees, stop. What credit are you bringing? Stop. What are you bringing in here? What are you taking with you? What do you have to give for us? Tell us what your credit is to me. Where the rest of the world says, stop. Christians say, welcome. Welcome. Everything that you see, we didn't earn it. 
Everything that we have, we don't possess it. It's not ours to have. It's not ours to defend. All that I have, my entire life, and all of the things associated with my life are not mine. I am not my own. The Bible could not be more clear on this. The Heidelberg Catechism could not be more clear on this. All of this is not mine. Welcome. This is an economy of grace. This is not ours to earn. It's not ours to protect. It is not ours to hoard. This is an economy of grace. You can only give to other people that which you have already been given yourself. Some of us have to re-examine the ledgers in our lives. Re-examine what's been given to us, from whom, and how much. Because our input and our output don't calculate. That's me. It's you, it's me. It seems to me that so much of Christian spirituality... What, this is something I'm thinking about a lot lately. What is spirituality? What is Christian spirituality? It seems to me that so much of Christian spirituality is simply understanding the nature of our relationships. I'll say that again. So much of Christian spirituality is simply understanding the nature of our relationships. Who are we to God? Who is God to us. And who are we to each other? Christian spirituality is simply understanding that and living that. And then when we define those relationships with grace rather than credit, it's the whole thing. And it changes literally Everything. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, uh, we tentatively and carefully step forward into your economy of grace. It feels like a dangerous place for us to be because we would love to believe that we deserve so much. We would love to believe that we possess so much. We would love to believe that we have the right to hoard anything and everything. But the reality is, Lord, everything we have comes from you. We thank you for the grace that you have given us. And we pray for the deep courage to pass along those things to others. May we learn day by day that the more we give, the more we receive. We thank you for your grace. And in your name we pray. Amen.